Before we get started, we just wanted to let you know that we're taking a two-week hiatus from releasing new episodes to observe the holidays. We hope you all have a safe, happy, and healthy holiday season, and we'll see you in the new year. And now, on to the episode. Hi, we're Ellen Taylor, and we're here to join you on your journey from pregnancy to birth, postpartum, and beyond. Here on the podcast, you'll get interviews with birth and parenting professionals, birth stories, and educational episodes to get you feeling confident, supported, and empowered on your journey to and through parenting. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. Hi, I'm Elle Kennedy, a birth photographer and doula based in Orange County, California, and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, I'm Dr. Taylor Garcia, a doctor of chiropractic also here in Orange County, and I also use she, her pronouns. Today we're talking to Dr. Whitney Sipple. Dr. Whitney is a women's health physical therapist and a women's clinical specialist. She treats women in their homes throughout Orange County and at a clinic in Costa Mesa through her company, Restored Physique Physical Therapy, and she teaches free monthly classes at Orange County birth centers and speaks to various mom groups. She also provides two online classes for women, one discussing topics related to prenatal physical health and labor prep, and one discussing postpartum recovery. She's passionate about promoting awareness, well-being, and healing with a goal of empowering women during the prenatal and postnatal periods to address discomforts and concerns. Hi, Whitney. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about pelvic floor therapy and pelvic floor wellness. Yeah, I'm excited to chat about it all. So Whitney, is there something specific about birth that has always lit your fire? What are you most passionate about? So being able to just help and support a family and and be a part of the family's journey through pregnancy and postpartum, I just find is so rewarding. Um, And then I also am so passionate about teaching everyone that we don't have to just live with annoying or painful symptoms during pregnancy or postpartum, and that it's common to have these symptoms, but it's never normal. And there are lots of things that we can do to address a lot of these symptoms. So can you start explaining to our listeners what the pelvic floor is and why it is so important? Yeah, so the pelvic floor is a group of muscles at the base of the pelvis and it forms the floor of your core. So a lot of times when we're talking about the core, we're actually talking about the diaphragm at the top, the transverse abdominis kind of in the front, we've got our pelvic floor at the bottom, and then we've got our multifidi muscles in the back. And so it forms kind of this canister. And so the pelvic floor in particular has really important functions. They hold in our urine gas or stool, kind of important. (laughs) They support the pelvic organs and the baby during pregnancy. They have a sexual function. And then they also stabilize the pelvis so we don't get pelvic pains. A lot of times, During pregnancy, postpartum, some moms will complain of pubic bone pain or back pain. And so these pelvic floor muscles have a role in stabilizing so we don't get those pains. So I know that so many women are told that things like incontinence, painful intercourse, scar pain, pelvic and back pain, pelvic pressure, abdominal pressure, et cetera, et cetera, are normal during pregnancy and postpartum. And I know you said a moment ago that things like this are common, but they're not normal. So can you dive into these myths and let us know, like, where where are the truths and where are the myths in these and what women are being told about all of this? Yeah. 
Yeah, so there are some, for the pelvic floor in particular, some of the misconceptions and probably the biggest one that I hear about the pelvic floor is that Kegels will fix everything, when in reality, Kegels can actually make some pelvic floor issues worse. So Kegels definitely aren't appropriate for everyone to do, and especially if you have things like painful intercourse, tailbone pain, or pain when you do a Kegel. Those are all signs that you may actually have too much tightness or tension in the pelvic floor. And then we need to focus on getting the muscles to relax first before we work on strengthening. Another big thing while I'm talking about tightness is a lot of people think that if you have a really tight pelvic floor or just really tight muscles in general, that they must be really strong muscles. And that's not true either. So tight muscles can actually be weak muscles. So sometimes I'll see patients who have pain with sex because they have all this muscle tightness and they pee their pants. And so if a muscle's really tight, it doesn't have the range of motion that it needs to create a good amount of force or strength. So an example I use for this is if you're thinking about doing a bicep curl, we start with our arm straight and then we bend our elbow to lift the weight toward our shoulder. If we had really, really tight biceps, our arm would just always be bent towards our shoulder. So if you try to do a bicep curl and the weight's almost already to your shoulder to begin with, there's very little range of motion for you to do, um, and then you won't have as much strength in that range. So the same thing goes with the pelvic floor. If you're starting in half of a Kegel, then when you try to do a Kegel, you can only do half of what the range of motion is available to you. So, so the big one, so Kegels don't fix everything. Tightness doesn't equal strength. The other really big misconception about the pelvic floor during birth is that we need to have a really strong pelvic floor to be able to push the baby out. In reality, the uterus is a very strong organ and muscle, and that's what's going to do the majority of the pushing. We might also get a little bit of help from our abdomen, like the transverse abdominis, but our pelvic floor doesn't do the pushing. So for this, I like to use a tube of toothpaste visual when I describe this to my expecting parents, where we imagine that our trunk is a tube of toothpaste and the pelvic floor is the cap. So normally when we laugh, cough, sneeze, lift, do anything where there's pressure in our abdomen down against our pelvic floor, we want that cap on tight so the toothpaste doesn't come out. So we don't pee our pants and our organs don't fall out. So in those instances, we want a nice, strong pelvic floor. For birth, we want the toothpaste to come out and to come out with as little resistance as possible to try to prevent tearing. So as the uterus is squeezing the baby down the tube of toothpaste against the pelvic floor, we actually want that cap off, so we want to relax the pelvic floor. If we're squeezing our pelvic floor, then we're closing that tube of toothpaste and resisting baby coming out. So strength is great to have, but for birth, we actually really want really good relaxation of the pelvic floor. So those are, are three of the big ones about the pelvic floor in particular. And then just the general misconception that, oh, I have pain with sex. Oh, I'm peeing my pants. Any of those types of symptoms, a lot of people are told or believe that that's just what happens when you have a baby. And we're told this from our moms, our grandmas, health professionals, 
And so we just have this culture around normalizing all of these symptoms. But these are all things that we we shouldn't have to live with. There's so much we can do. So now that you've told us a little bit about um, the importance of pelvic floor relaxation during birth and how we need that in order to birth the baby as easily as possible. How do how do we practice that? How can we learn to be more relaxed and have a more relaxed pelvic floor in preparation for birth? Yeah, so I I have people typically use different types of visualizations. So, so a lot of times, a lot of people have a hard time relaxing muscles as it is. And a lot of people don't really understand why it matters what their pelvic floor is doing during birth. Relaxing the, the pelvic floor can actually help decrease our chances of tearing at the perineum. Now, there's always going to be factors out of our control that can lead to tearing, but there are things we can do to prepare our pelvic floor for birth that can help improve our chances of keeping the perineum intact. So one of the analogies I use with my patients for like why we'd even want to think about relaxing our pelvic floor is is a cinder block analogy. So if you're thinking about uh, about a bicep curl and you are lifting the weight up towards your shoulder, maybe you're halfway there and something really heavy falls from the ceiling like a cinder block and it's coming down and it's going to hit your forearm. If you continue lifting that weight and the, and the cinder block hits you and you try to resist it, that cinder block is going to overpower you and it's going to snap your arm straight. So while you're engaging and contracting that biceps, if it's being forced straight, those biceps are probably going to tear. Now, if as the cinder block came down and hit your forearm, you just relax and let go your bicep curl or your bicep muscles relax, they're much less likely to tear in that instance compared to if they were resisting and contracting the whole time. So the baby's kind of like a cinder block that's going to be coming out of your pelvic floor. So if your pelvic floor is really tight and it's squeezing and contracting, that's more likely to tear than if you're relaxing the pelvic floor and allowing that cinder block or the baby to move down and through the pelvic floor. So I like to teach all my pregnant patients to be able to relax their pelvic floor on command in any position, which is a really challenging thing to learn and coordinate, and it takes a lot of practice. So with the visualizations, I have people practice in different positions Sometimes people get it pretty quickly and they can be sitting and they start to feel, oh yeah, okay, I can get it. I feel that things are relaxing. Other times, a lot of times I'll have people try it in child's pose. That's actually where I first felt it when I did uh, pelvic floor relaxation training. So one of the first visuals I'll have people do is to imagine your vagina is like a flower and you're trying to bloom the flower. So that can be a nice one. For people who have done hypnobirthing, that's actually one of the birthing visuals that you're blooming your baby. So in the pelvic PT world, that's actually one of the visualizations that we use for relaxing the pelvic floor. Another cue is to imagine your sit bones spreading apart. That one can be really good. That was actually what I used when I first learned relaxing the pelvic floor and I felt that in child's pose for the first time. Uh, You can also imagine dropping a marble out of the vagina. 
when we talk about Kegels, I'll come back to how I use the marble visual for strengthening too, because um, that's one of my favorite cues. And then uh, another one that works for some people is to relax the pelvic floor like you wanted to pass gas or you're wanting to, to pee. So just being able to relax the muscles that way. So our body's natural response to pain or discomfort is to tense and guard. And a tense muscle is more likely to tear. So if we can relax the muscles as much as we can during labor, then that's one way that we can help prevent tearing. I got to say, I love your analogies with the whole like cinder block and the lifting a bicep curl. It's uh, for chiropractors, like isotonic, isometric contraction. So it's, I like the analogies. I'll have to use those in my clinic from now on. Yeah. Oh, my patients love them. It's, it just makes it more real and they can understand it better. Yeah. It's a really good way to put it in layman's terms that, you know, you could explain it to a five-year-old with that analogy and they would understand it. Yep. <laughs> All right. So besides, you know, the visual cues and like the visualization, how else can you help the pelvic floor relax? I mean, not externally per se, but like outside of just the person themselves. Yeah. So one of the big things would be doing the perineal massage. And so perineal massage is another thing that can help decrease our chances of tearing. And I love doing my labor prep sessions with my patients and teaching them or their partners how to do this. So I actually like to refer to it more as perineal prep because it's not like a nice massage. <laughs> so, so to understand the concept behind why we'd want to do perineal prep, I also use another analogy. And this one's more of a yoga analogy. Um, or if people don't do yoga, everyone has done a forward bend before. So imagine the first time you ever did a forward bend and you're trying to touch your toes, but you're super tight. You can barely reach past your knees. Your hamstrings in the back are so tight and pulling. Now, if someone came up behind you and pressed your back so that they were trying to get you to touch the floor, imagine how much tension is going to be put on the backs of your legs on that hamstring they're likely going to tear. You're probably going to strain your hamstring because there's no flexibility there. This is the first time you've ever done a forward bend. Now, think about doing yoga. You're doing it consistently. So now let's say you're doing it every day, every other day for a few weeks. You start to notice, okay, I'm getting more flexibility. I'm able to reach closer and closer to the floor. Now, if that same person came up and pressed you down so that you touched the floor, you're going to feel a really big stretch in your hamstrings, but they're not going to tear because you have that flexibility. So the main thing we do with perineal massage or perineal prep is getting softening and flexibility of our pelvic floor muscles and the tissues of the perineum. So one of the big things that I, that I teach everyone is we have to do this consistently. If you're doing yoga and you do it like once every other week for a few weeks, you're not going to get anywhere closer to touching the floor. You need to be consistent with it to allow those muscles to gain the flexibility. So the consistency with perineal massage is important. I normally recommend people start between about 34 to 36 weeks. Um, and if you can do it every day until baby's here. 
Uh, I normally say use use some type of lube. It doesn't really matter what kind you use. If you want to use coconut oil, you want to use a lube that you use for intercourse, you can use any type of oils. Vitamin E oil is a great one, but use a little oil and and either the birthing person or their partner can do it. If the birthing person is doing it, I find a lot of times it's easiest to reach by using your thumb. If the partner's doing it, then they can use their, their finger. What I have people start with is, is starting externally. This is when I really wish the listeners could see me demonstrating on my really cool little pelvic model <laughs> that has all of the muscles. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do have a video showing how to do this on my online prenatal class. Whitney, if you if you make a, a short video, we can put this on our Instagram stories when we release this episode oh, cool. and be able to link that to your show notes and everything as well. So we can kind of include that if that's something you wanted to include. Yeah, that would be cool. For the visual ask, for our visual learners. <laughs> Yes, because oh, the pelvic floor, nobody knows what's down there. I can't so it's see nice my own. To be able to have it. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So I'll I'll talk through it, and then and then hopefully people will kind of get the idea. Externally, we look. We start at the perineal body. So that's the tissue between the vagina and the anus. And so what I have people do is just press and start with a nice, slow, gentle pressure and gradually increase pressure towards the head. So they're pressing into that perineal body towards the head, kind of deep into the pelvis. I normally say just continue to press and increase pressure until you feel a tolerable amount of discomfort. So it's not the type of pain where you're going to be like tensing and guarding because it hurts so bad. We don't want to go that hard. We just want to go right up to where it, it's tender, but tolerable. You can breathe through it. And so once you're there, then you just press and hold and keep a constant pressure on that spot until the tenderness goes down by half of where it started. So let's say you start at a six, hold it till it's down to a three then that spot's done. Then move on to, we have two other spots that we do externally. So one would be just to the left of the perineum. So kind of halfway between the sit bone and the perineal body. Do the same thing there. Press up until you have a tolerable amount of tenderness. Hold it till the tenderness goes down by half. Move on to the other side. So then we go to the right side of the perineum between the perineal body and the sit bone. So those three spots we can do externally. Uh, then internally, and this is if the partner is doing it, I normally say either wash your hands in between. If you're using gloves, if you double glove in the beginning, that's a little trick that I do when I treat. Double glove after you do the external part, take the first glove off and then you're already gloved up to go internal. So then internal, add a little more lubrication to your finger. If the partner is doing it, then they're going to insert their finger to about the first knuckle. If the birthing person is going to do it, then they're going to insert their thumb to the first knuckle. And what we do is we look at the vagina kind of like a clock. Up towards the pubic bone is 12 o'clock, down towards the tailbone is 6 o'clock. So to the right and the left are 3 and 9 o'clock. It doesn't actually matter what side is 3 or 9. We're going to hit every number from three o'clock 
down four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So just like external, you're gonna start by staying in at that first knuckle, press over towards three o'clock and give a nice gentle pressure, gradually increase your pressure until you feel tenderness. That's tolerable. Hold it until the tenderness goes down by half. Then move down to four o'clock, same thing, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven, eight, nine. Once you've cleared out that first layer of muscles, we're gonna go a little bit deeper. So then in to the second knuckle, or if they're using their thumb, just in all the way. And then we'll do the same thing. Some people will just stay there at nine o'clock and then work their way each number down and over towards three o'clock. Um, some people need, especially if the birthing person is doing it on themselves, a lot of times, like when I ever did this on myself, I would use my right thumb to do my left side, and then I'd use my left thumb to do my right side. It doesn't really matter. Whatever works <laughs> is, is great. So it's all trigger point release. So we're just getting these muscles to soften, relax, just like any muscle externally on our body. Our pelvic floor can get little knots. And so if we press and hold, we get those knots out. We get those muscles to relax. I was just going to say, it sounds like trigger point release when you're, how you're describing the gentle, gradual yes. pressure. I'm like, Hey, that's trigger point release. Uh-huh. It is exactly trigger point release. Uh, yeah. So the trigger point release is so effective. And then the last step is the actual more massage stroke. And this one, I, I just have people do at the end, keep the finger in at the second knuckle or the thumb all the way in, go over towards three o'clock and then kind of sweep the thumb down towards six o'clock. So it's more of a massage stroke along the muscles. And then I just have them back off, back to the middle, go over towards three o'clock, sweep down towards six. And I normally have them do maybe 10 massage strokes on one side, then do the same thing over towards nine o'clock, sweep down towards six, and that will be 10 little massage strokes on the other side. So that's typically what I have people do for perineal massage. A lot of times people ask, well, how much time should I like dedicate to this? And it's actually totally going to depend on your specific muscles. You might find some spots that are super tender and you have to hold it for a few minutes before it even starts to let go and the tenderness goes down. And then there might be some spots where you can give yourself a lot of pressure and there is no tenderness at all. And then great, move on to the next spot. You don't have to spend any time there if it's super nice and flexible. So that's typically what I teach for perineal massage. That sounds really similar to yoga. Certain positions are going to be tighter for certain people. So you should spend more time in those positions because it means your muscles need flexibility there if there's that tension and you need to to be able to loosen up and relax into those positions more yep absolutely now Whitney um from um I guess the medical point of view being that, the, that these are trigger points would there be any um referral pain because usually with trigger points you know like in the neck you press on like the back of the neck you feel it inside your ear do does the pelvic floor have any of those referral points mm-hmm yeah the pelvic floor does. So sometimes it's so interesting. Everyone's so different. 
Um, but sometimes you'll hit some spots on the pelvic floor and people will feel it like down into their inner thigh. Some people will feel it on the other side of their pelvic floor. Some people feel it into the abdomen. One thing that has been really cool is I've seen, I've seen now quite a few moms during pregnancy where they thought that they may be going into preterm labor because they had a lot of cramping at their lower abdomen and, and they go in, they get checked, everything's fine, but they, no one can figure out why they're having this cramping. And, and I've had quite a few people that then are sent to me because like nobody can figure anything out. (laughs) And so I'm just like, well, let's, let's see what's happening with your pelvic floor. Most of these people are having some pain with sex as well. And so as soon as I start pressing on their pelvic floor, it can sometimes recreate that same sensation. And once we get the pelvic floor to a nice, normal, soft, springy tone, all of their symptoms are gone. It's so cool. (laughs) That actually happened when I was pregnant with my second kid. I thought I was in preterm labor about 23 weeks. And I went to the hospital because I had I was having what I thought were contractions. And I was like, this is my second kid. I know what contractions feel like. That's what this is. And they couldn't figure out what was wrong. They were like, you're fine. There's you're you're not having true contractions. And they all of a sudden they stopped and I went home and I didn't see a pelvic floor therapist, but it was something like that where like we had had sex the evening before or something like, you know, a little bit before the contraction started or something like that. And that was what kind of had had triggered it a little bit and set it off. And once my body had relaxed again back to normal, it all it all stopped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The pelvic floor is so cool. (laughs) The joy of trigger point release. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. During the perineal massage, the other thing that I have people practice is the pelvic floor relaxation. So if you're on some tender spots, it's great to then practice flower blooming, sit bone spreading, drop the marble, whatever it is to help relax, because then you're starting to train your body to relax in response to discomfort instead of tensing in response to discomfort, which is what our bodies typically do, which then, of course, helps during labor. Isn't that how they train, um, like, stunt doubles and things? Is a lot of their training has to do with how to relax into stuff instead of tensing into stuff? I think, I, I think I've heard that. I don't know for sure. <laughs> well, it would make sense in the sense of, a, like, you know, a car accident, too. People who are you know, usually drunk and more relaxed, walk away from a car accident with no injuries because they were so floppy. Yeah. And I've, I've heard stories about babies who are like asleep in their car seats. They go through a car accident and the baby doesn't even wake up because their body is so relaxed that they don't have any of the tension in their bodies when it happened and they just sleep right through it. Sorry. Off topic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so so that's how we can we can use uh, perineal massage and pelvic floor relaxation to help us going into birth. So what are some techniques that can help with the pelvic floor functioning postpartum? Because I'm assuming we don't want that relaxation to continue after we've had the baby. We're going to want to strengthen that back up and get that cap back on the tube of toothpaste. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, actually a common misconception is 
that a lot of moms go into pregnancy, birth with the fear that postpartum, oh my gosh, everything's going to be so lax or loose. Um, And that actually doesn't happen that often. I mean, sometimes we see it. A lot of people do actually end up having too much tightness postpartum. So the relaxation is still super important. So one of the things that I have my new moms think about, and you can start doing this like day two postpartum if you want to, is to start to gain awareness of the pelvic floor. And you can just do nice, gentle pelvic floor contractions and remember to have that full relaxation. Because sometimes, so with with pelvic floor, our muscles have these receptors in them that can uh, sense too much stretch. Obviously with birth, that's the biggest stretch to these muscles that we're going to experience. And so after that stretch, our, our body can go into a reflexive contraction. And so these pelvic floor muscles can contract and then they can just stay contracted without us even being aware that they are because we don't have great awareness down there. And so, so that's one of the things that I have some of my moms focus on is gain the awareness. Does it feel like the muscles are too tight? Can you fully relax them? Can you do a nice gentle contraction? So we already talked about how to relax the pelvic floor. Uh, Let's talk about doing a pelvic floor contraction or a Kegel correctly. Uh, Unfortunately, research has shown that less than half of people actually do a Kegel correctly when verbally told how to do one. And I see this clinically too. And quite honestly, many of my patients tell me that they've tried Kegels before. They never know if they're doing it right, so they just don't do them. Um, but then I also have many others that think that they're doing a Kegel correctly, but when I'm actually assessing them, they're doing the opposite of a Kegel and are bulging at the pelvic floor instead of getting a nice contraction. I really wish that, that everyone could just have a visit with a pelvic floor PT, just to be taught about everything about the pelvic floor, how to keep the area healthy, strong, how to do a real good strong Kegel and full relaxation. Um, What's always funny, just by me bringing up Kegels, Ellen Taylor, you might already be doing them. (laughs) As soon as we start talking about it, a lot of times people already start doing them. (laughs) Uh, So I bet some of the listeners are already doing their Kegels. (laughs) So let's talk about how to do them correctly. (laughs) Um, I normally have people try a few different cues for the Kegel and just see what key works best for you. So you can be in any position, and we actually want to gain strength and control in every position that we're in. Um, But if you have a hard time feeling the muscles and finding them, then lying down is, is a good place to start just because you won't have the effect of gravity pushing everything down. So one of the cues, I'm just gonna start with the one that everyone has heard of, which is squeeze like you're stopping the flow of urine. That's an okay cue. Clinically, people are okay. So a lot of people don't do that one right, but you can try it and just feel what you feel and then make sure that you fully relax. Another cue is to squeeze like you're holding back gas. Some people do better with this. Most of us have been in a situation where we've needed to do this, and so we can find those muscles. <laughs> so, so that's another one. Squeeze like you're holding back gas. And then remember, fully relax. 
Then another cue would be, think about your sit bones, the bony part of your butt. Squeeze like you're pulling your sit bones together and then spread them back apart. So that one I find can be pretty good for some people. And then my favorite cue is to imagine a marble at the opening of your vagina. Think about grasping that marble and lifting it up towards your head and then drop it back down all the way down and out of the vagina. So that marble visual, I love that one. Clinically, I find that people do a much better recruitment of their muscles that way. We have our superficial muscles that do closure, and then we have our deeper muscles that do a lift. So that marble visual, you're grasping and lifting, so it recruits more of the muscles. So that's that one's my favorite. And it doesn't work for everyone. Some people might be trying it and they're just like, eh, I don't know about that one. But, but a lot of people do well with that. Um, if, if you ever find that you're having a hard time relaxing the pelvic floor after doing the squeeze, then I always just say take a break and focus just on the relaxation. A lot of times with Kegels, people are always thinking squeeze, 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 that we never think about the relaxation. But that's not how we exercise. When you're doing a bicep curl, you're not keeping the weight up by your shoulder the whole time. You're dropping it all the way down and then you bring it back up to your shoulder. And so we want the same thing with the pelvic floor. The other thing that I see a lot is most people try too hard with Kegels and then they end up bringing in all sorts of other muscles. So you wanna pay attention to what the rest of your body's doing. Are you clenching your butt cheeks or your glutes together? Are you sucking in the abdomen? Are you holding your breath? Are you making fists or curling your toes? <laughs> are you squeezing your knees together? Those are all things that I see a lot of people do because we just want to feel like we're doing it as good as we can and as strong as we can. The trouble with the pelvic floor is we don't have great awareness and these aren't the type of exercises where you feel that satisfaction like, you, like you're really strong. You don't feel the burn. And so a lot of people have a hard time with Kegels because they're pretty subtle. Um, so those are some of the compensation uh, patterns that I tell people pay attention to and and then don't don't try so hard so if you find that you're tensing a lot of other muscles then a lot of times I say think about just doing a baby kegel or do the kegel like it doesn't matter or maybe try it at 50% effort for most people they'll get their pelvic floor engaged just as strong when they have less effort um, one of the things that I do have people do is um, if you notice that your lower abdomen is coming in, that's normally okay. You don't have to keep your entire belly completely out of it. The transverse abdominus actually should activate a little bit when we use our pelvic floor. So I'm okay if you have like a little gentle drawing in towards the spine or that lower abdomen feels like it's coming in. I just don't want the whole abdomen super tense and bearing down. So those are the big cues that I have people use for the pelvic floor. I like that you mentioned about, you know, we don't stay in that contraction state the entire time. Um, yeah, I've definitely heard people, you know, when they when they talk about doing Kegels, that that feeling that they need to like hold it for as long as they can. And like, this isn't 
this isn't planks where you're going for, you know, holding it in in one position as long as you can. And yeah, so many exercises that we do rely on tension and release. Even in bringing a baby Mm -hmm. into this world, we have contractions and then they stop and then another contraction and then our body relaxes again and our bodies are made to work with that ebb and flow. That's how we're made to function. Yep. Yeah. And we start to get dysfunction if we, if we don't have that ebb and flow. Yeah. So is there a way that we can tell if we're doing Kegels correctly by ourselves? Yeah. So I typically, there are three big options. So one is what most people have been told to do by like their OB-GYNs or, or midwife. They might've said to, to try to stop the flow of urine. So sit on the toilet, start to pee and squeeze. You should be able to completely stop the flow. And then when you relax, the flow goes right back to what it was. So if you squeeze and there's still like a little gerbil coming out or it just keeps on flowing, then that's a sign that you're you're weak. And then we need to be strengthening and gaining that full closure. So with that one, though, I normally tell people check in maybe once or twice a month with that. We don't want to be doing it all the time. There's some concern that you could potentially give yourself a bladder infection or um, teach your bladder to do a stop and go flow. So we don't want to do it too often with that. Another way to check is people can grab a hand mirror and look down there and see what's going on. So when I'm checking someone externally, we look for three things. They have kind of funny names. The first one is called the anal wink. So the anus contracts like it's winking at you in the mirror. So that's the first (laughs) thing. The second thing we look for is called the perineal rise. So the perineum, that tissue between the vagina and the anus, rises up towards your head away from the mirror. And then the third thing we look for is called the clitoral nod. So the clitoris towards the front nods like it's going down towards the perineum and then when you relax then it comes back up so those are three things to look for if you're looking externally and that will give you a good idea of what regions of the pelvic floor are contracting how they should a lot of moms they don't do the clitoral link or wink because no no not the clitoral wink the clitoral nod because the muscles in the front end up getting really weak. So that's one thing to look for. Another way that people can check on themselves is use their finger or thumb, insert vaginally, and squeeze. So when I'm checking someone internally, I'm looking for a nice circumferential squeeze around my finger and a lift up towards the head. And so those are the big things that we'll look for. Um, and that's that's how people can check on themselves. The anal wink is actually also um, a reflex. Yeah, with, that you can use with a Q-tip. Yeah, so the, that's just kind of a medical now you know kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> this is something I had never heard of before, so <laughs> you learn something new every day. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's the anal wink, and then there's also the, um, the uh, perennial rise, uh, 
is usually also used for more male um, genitalia for making sure there's nothing going wrong going wrong down there for men. It's more usually more masculine, but females for uh, would be pelvic floor strength. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Whitney, before you go, we have a few questions we like to ask all of our guests on the show. So first, what is your dream for the birth community? You know, there are so many wonderful services offered by birth workers that so many birthing people don't even know exist. So it would be so great if all of these options became more well-known and standard of care and that more families would have access to all of the great supportive services because these are all things that can make for like a smoother and easier pregnancy, delivery, and postpartum recovery. It, once I joined like the birth community and doing all of my pelvic floor PT work, I have been introduced to so many cool birthing options and I felt so fortunate that I've been doing this for so many years. My kids are six and four I've been doing this from before I had my kids. It's been about 10 years. And so I was so fortunate to know that I had all these supportive services, but so many people don't even know that pelvic floor PT exists. So many people don't know about all these cool options that moms have. So it would be amazing if this became more well-known. And I think our support of one another in the birth community is also so important And that's what makes our community so special. That's actually, that was one of our founding ideas for this podcast was was connecting birthing people with the birthing community and letting them know just how many options there are out there. Because like, you know, like you said, I was not a, a part of the birthing community before I had my kids and I had no idea. I had no idea that I could have gotten and reached out and asked for so many other forms of support than, than you know, all I knew about were doulas and the option of having a midwife. And that that's really all that I knew about. I had, I had no idea that there were so many different kinds of birth workers out there. So I know that was a kind of a core tenet and one of the things we really wanted to bring to this podcast. So thank you for coming on and talking with us about pelvic floor therapy and and giving our listeners all of this, you know, how-to guides on how to work on pelvic floor relaxation and perineal massage and how to do Kegels because this is this is exactly the kind of stuff that that we want to have on here for our listeners to to start connecting. Yeah, and I love teaching it. (laughs) Now, Whitney, what is one thing you will do for yourself in this coming week? Okay, so as a mom with little ones, it's always a little challenging to find some alone time for (laughs) self-care, but I love to read, and I just got a couple new thriller and mystery books from the library yesterday, so that's my time to escape and just get lost in a good book Nice. What's uh, your favorite book that you've read, let's say, in the past couple years? Because you've got little kids, let's be real here. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I, like, I like all these thriller and mystery books because it's so different than, like, my daily life. And my imagination can just go crazy. So I typically like – I really like James Patterson and Dean Koontz. I actually – I'm about halfway through. <laughs> I happened when I went to the library yesterday. Um, 
there's a James Patterson book called um, The Midwife Murders. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to read that one. On topic. <laughs> Yes. And normally, normally my books have nothing to do (laughs) with, with what I do. But, but I'm reading this one. And it's, it's pretty good. (laughs) Nice. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us today. Um, Before we go, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, so they can go to my website. It's restoredphysique.com. Um, on Facebook, they can just find me at my name, Whitney Sipple. It's S-I-P-P-L, no E. A lot of people want to add that E in there. <laughs> um, and then Instagram, you know, I'm not very active on social media right now. I've been told that I need to start like getting on there. So I have an Instagram account and I plan hopefully within the next couple of months to maybe start using it. And so, so that would be with uh, restored physique as well. Okay. So at restored physique for that one. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us, Whitney. We loved having you on and talking all about the pelvic floor with us. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. So listeners, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here on Birth Reimagined. If you'd like to join our Facebook community, you can find us there at Birth Reimagined Family. And if you'd like to join our email list, you can get the link to that on the show notes for this episode. Being a member of our email list gets you access to all our freebies and makes sure you're kept in the loop whenever a new episode drops or we have anything exciting to share. Thanks again and see you next time.